You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey guys, Aaron Roverman here just to tell you about our sponsor, Harry Tarantula. Harry Tarantula is our original sponsor. They're the OG sponsor. They were here in the very beginning when we were just a fledgling comic book show done out of some guy's bedroom. But they have some amazing product for you. Just go down to their store at 3456 Young Street and you can get your role-playing games. You can get your comic books, of course. You can get your tabletop games. They have everything. We got Pokemon cards. We've got Star Wars miniatures. They just have everything that you could possibly want. Plus, Leon, their owner, is an amazing dude. He uh, He's very honest and uh, he'll get you everything you need. And uh, they have an amazing new space there at 3456 Young Street. So you got to go down. You got to check out their merchandise. Sometimes they have weekly live role-playing games, some Magic the Gathering stuff. They're doing championships all the time. You've probably seen a lot of their stuff on our social media because we try to promote them any way we can because without them we wouldn't be able to put this podcast together for you so please if you're local to Toronto and even if you're not look them up at www.harryt.com and uh, check them out at 3456 Young Street and tell them Aaron sent you listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. Here's your host, Aaron Broverman. Godspeed, old chum. Hey, fan people. Welcome to another episode of Speech Bubble. I'm your host, Aaron Broverman. You probably found us on uh, Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com or through our social media at SpeechBubblePod. Uh, with me today is Joseph Yanni. Joseph has been on this podcast before. He is our audio editor. So all the great editing that happens for our conversations. I mean, he's listened to every episode of Speech Bubble and every other show on the network. So that's like hundreds and hundreds of podcasting episodes. I mean, just Speech Bubble alone is like well past 70 episodes at this point. Uh, He was on our podcast before in like the first 10 or so that we did. Go back in our archives if you want to learn more about him. We talked a lot about his home life. We talked about his comic, I Am Grim, that he did. Uh, We talked about uh, sometimes how uh, mental illness factors into uh, comics and, and the way that he experiences the world. So today, though, he's come here because he wants to pitch a new idea. So any artist listening, pay attention because he has a new comic project that he's interested in doing and he he needs an artist to get it off the ground. So welcome, Joseph. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, And many people have said this and I agree with them that your introductions always make us feel special and they're just well put together. Like I've wanted to jump in like three or four times being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, no, you got this. You got this. Thank you. It's awesome. So... 
obviously I'm biased because mm-hmm. you've edited every episode of my podcast. So I, I love you and I'm, I'm glad you could come back. Right, uh, I got you. Tell, tell me about this product. I, I hear it's a, it's a zombie uh, yep. project that you're doing. We can do one of two things. We can go right into it or I can also... Uh, I can also talk about how it was developed because there is a story behind how I got to the idea. But I guess let's just... Oh, tell me, tell me that. Okay, great. So uh, there's a friend of mine. He He's somebody that I care about very deeply, but I haven't heard from him in a while. And uh, because life kind of pulled him in a very different direction. Uh, he's a friend of mine from high school and he is as good of an artist as I am a writer, which is to say he's not bad. And after high school, we stayed in touch. Uh, There was a bunch of us that were very close and he wanted to do a comic book. And initially the premise was his idea. It was a zombie story that took place in a high school, which I don't know. I'm as much as I'm a zombie expert, I'm, I'm racking my brain and I can't think of too many examples where it takes place in the high school, but it's not just about it being high school. The twist was this was like a high-tech high school state-of-the-art security passes and doors that automatically lock and camera systems and what what happened was the outbreak occurs within the school and the school shuts down but traps everybody on the inside so the idea is this thing that was supposed to protect everybody is now screwing everybody up because now they're all stuck inside with the monsters Mm -hmm. and we worked on this story for about a year and I wrote all nine chapters of the first issue. And he had done some preliminary artwork, but we barely got through maybe three pages of it before life started to pull us into two different directions. Uh, he's a father now of two beautiful daughters, and I'm nowhere close to being a father, much to my disappointment. <laughs> and uh, on top of that, he kind of fell out of contact with me. And the, the reason why is because he was struggling financially for a little while and he needed to borrow some money. And he asked me and he asked a couple of other friends. And of course, we all love each other and we were more than happy to uh, give him the, the, the money he needed. And he said, you know, I'll pay you back. And I said, don't pay, worry about paying me back. You are one of the most talented artists that I know. And I mean, if you had kept up with it, he probably still would be. So you know, if I need a couple of drawings here or there, or maybe I'm going to pitch an idea, then I'll let you know, and then we'll we'll, we'll take it from there. And uh, because I have my webcomic, Giant Enemy Comic, where I don't really do any art for it up until this point, but that might change. Uh, I've worked with a number of artists, and uh, there does seem to be a lot of is- uh, emotional issues that artists face. I consider myself an artist. I've dealt with it, too, so I totally understand where people are coming from. But nonetheless, he fell out of contact, and I haven't heard from him in quite a while. And believe me, I have tried to get in touch with him. I have uh, tried to uh, contact him via Facebook. Uh, I've tried to text him, phone call him. I even tried adding him on LinkedIn and nothing. And uh, if for, I don't know how this can get to you because I'm the most likely person that would show this to you. But if this somehow gets to you, uh, I miss you and I love you. If for whatever reason you don't want to talk to me anymore, I understand. But you do have my copy of Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker for the GameCube. So at the very least, let me have that back and then we'll split ways. But that's, uh, that's, that's the end of that. And so the story is called Noon. Okay. And the reason why it's called that is because time is a very important uh, factor in it. 
if um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Watchmen, Alan Moore was like one of the writers that really got me to uh, love and appreciate comics uh, the way I do now. And his use of time throughout Watchmen, the way the doomsday clock would get closer and closer to, to midnight was influential. And uh, the way, you know, what's his name? Dr. Manhattan uh, used to be a watchmaker. So his perception of time was already in flux even before he became Dr. Manhattan and, and all that, all that good stuff. And what happens is that the story uh, takes place in a short amount of time, but it, there are clocks throughout and you can kind of pay attention to when things happen. It's very Dunkirk. If anybody uh, watched Dunkirk, if it's, it's fascinating the way three different uh, happens in air, happens in land and happens in water. Dunkirk is a great movie. I just want to give a shout out to Nolan. And yeah, so first of the uh, of four, uh, it's noon, dusk, midnight, and dawn. The next three haven't been written yet because you know one step at a time. Right. Uh, but the the story takes place within this uh, state of the art high school, and the lead character he goes by Alex McAllister, and he's the archetypical rebel, can't quite uh, uh, catch a break kind of character. Uh, his twist is that he genuinely tries to be a good student this time and he really wants to do right by his parents and this he considers this the school to be his last chance to do right but because he shows up on the same day that an outbreak occurs his rebel roots are really the only thing that he has to survive with so he's he, he kind of gives up on that and all the characters throughout it are, they take on different archetypes, but they are all kind of twists on it. Uh, there's an artist character uh, seems to really enjoy depicting all the graphic violence that happens. And the more violent the artwork she does, the more pleasure it brings her. Uh, there are two uh, uh, nerd characters who are brilliant and inventive, and they come up with all these weapons to try to battle with the zombies. And so what I, uh, what I want to do, and the reason why I brought it to you today is because this idea has been sitting in my vault of, uh, of written material for quite a while. We wrote this four years ago, at the very least, probably more than that. And I looked back on it, and I, I don't know if uh, anybody uh, listening to this can relate to this. Maybe, Aaron, you can relate to this. But we look back on the stuff that we made in the past, and there's like a cringe factor to it. Like, oh boy. Yeah. I really say that. Some of my past writing, like, I I don't want to look at again. Yeah. Yeah, I've gone on some some crazy deletion sprees where I'm like, I cannot believe that's where my state of mind was. I feel like a tool, you know, just like, oh, I was so cutesy or or this was the problem or that was the problem but it didn't happen with this i looked up at this material and i thought you know i gotta clean it up a little bit and i've gotten somewhat better but it still made me laugh when it was funny and i still uh, found the the narrative threads to be engaging because i really put the effort into making this a a winner right and so uh, i brought it before you today because i know that there's a lot of artists who listen to this and i know that the toronto community is uh, one of the best comic communities out there just you know even though i'm not really a part of the community per se but just th- to have this these few degrees of separation away just the what i've picked up on i'm hoping somebody would uh be interested and in, at the very least having a conversation with me about this yeah totally i mean the thing about the toronto community that i that i absolutely love and why i started this podcast and wanted to expose people to it was because um, not only is the Toronto comics community really big, but there's different levels to it. Mm-hmm. There's the pros who are working for DC and Marvel who live here. There are the sort of uh, mid-range, already published indie creators. And then there are the people 
who, you know, they're, they're in Artist Alley. They're always doing new stuff. Uh, they're kickstarting new projects. They're, uh, you know, they're sort of, uh, you know, just about to break, break in kind of thing. So there's always different levels and there's people who are, you know, just starting out to the people that are like totally professional. So I feel like you could really find somebody that would really match up to, Mm -hmm. uh, this idea. And, uh, even if like, they're not, you know, one of those like well-established creators, I think you could really give like a new artist, uh, a really good start. Mm-hmm. So the plan that I have is the first thing that I want to do is try the old fashioned gatekeeper route. Uh, I wanted to pitch this to the different comic publishers and see what they say. Uh, if that doesn't work, then uh, we'll take the matters into our own hands. The thing is, I do have other projects. Like I do have the I Am Grim that we mentioned earlier. I've been trying to put money away for that, which is going slowly but surely. And so if it turns out that like I have to do the whole story myself, okay. Because one way or the other, I, I wanted to do this project justice, but you know, I only have so much money and there are other things that are of higher priority. If anybody reaches out to me, what we'll do is uh, we're going to go uh, publisher by publisher, focus on one publisher at a time, uh, find out what it is that, like what's their methods for pitching, what do they, uh, what material do they accept. Uh, I'm prepared to compensate for the art necessary to create that material to send to them and then see what they say. Right. Okay. So you're going to do that. And then if that doesn't work out, uh, maybe Kickstarter mm-hmm. or, or things or things like that, right? For the time being, uh, as much as I cer- can certainly advocate and endorse Kickstarter, I'm personally not a huge fan of it. Oh, okay. And I don't want to disparage anybody who does it because for some people, the model is brilliant and it works exceedingly well. Yeah, it has for a lot of the projects that have been on this podcast. Right. I just personally am not 100% on board with it. Although I am on board with uh, crowdfunding because I have a Patreon for uh, my own purposes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what is it about Kickstarter that like that you don't, that you're not personally on board with? It's just a, a fundamental thing about the business model. I want to have the product, you know, out there. I want to be able to make it first. I'm willing to take the the, the loss on that. There's a lot of people who don't have the luxury that I do because I still live with my family. I'm able to put money away to save up on things. Like right. I have expenses and I have bills to pay because I do have uh, my own business, my own podcasting and editing business and there's overhead there. So it's not right. like I'm like riding on, like as long as I'm, I don't have anything to pay for, but it's not the same thing as rent. Right. right? It's not okay. the same thing as having to pay for my own food. So the good news is I'm able to take that loss so I can put the product out and then if people are so inclined, then they can uh, show their support from there. Because I don't need to use Kickstarter, the, uh, I don't want to go to all my resources, which is to say my friends and family. Oh, uh, so you don't want to have to ask for money from other people when you can provide exactly. your own money. Or yeah, and if the- Oh, and if that the, makes sense. Thank you. And if, the, and if the, the situation was different, then I would take a different approach to it. But yeah, it's just uh, because I don't uh, need to do it, you know, save it for the people who, who do need to do it. 
Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that totally is making, uh, right. making sense for sure. So, um, yeah, so that's good. I mean, it's a, it sounds like a really good idea. It combines uh, some popular things, like if you're watching Riverdale right now mm-hmm. with the whole school thing and, like, the teenage uh, show like that and things on the CW are doing that really well with the superhero genre. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the zombie stuff, like, so The Walking Dead and things like that. So that's pretty cool. It seems like a pretty new take on on, on the zombie genre. Uh, there's plenty of people that I know that are into horror and and that sort of thing. So I I could totally see them really digging this. Um, I really hope it works out. What kind of uh, style of art are you hoping to to attract? That's a good question. Like in your mind's eye, like what does this look like to you? I've always been a fan of like the golden age, not just in terms of visual, but also in terms of presentation, the way things are like, will they get out of this next uh, conundrum? Find out. Is, is that kind of uh, wacky, but still they take it somewhat seriously. Oh, so style? you're thinking more like 50s EC horror type stuff, like Tales from the Crypt. Or, like, I have a copy of a comic in my bag today, uh, DC's Young Monsters in Love, which takes, sort of, mashes the 1950s horror genre with, like, the romance genre, for example, where they have a cover of Swamp Thing kissing uh, the Bride of Frankenstein and, like, stealing uh, the Bride of Frankenstein away from Frankenstein. But it's just, it's a gag for the cover. Like, there's Mm -hmm. no actual story in that type thing. So, it's it's sort of like the, the old EC horror style. Which I really like, like the Bernie Wrightsons, like mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of style, right? Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to go uh, too realistic with it either. Yeah. Part of it is because it is zombies, so there's already an exaggeration. But because there are also the the science fiction element also is on the side of the good guys too, because one of the kid the 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 nerds they figure out a way to create these uh, fr- these molotovs but with ice so they're actually able to throw them and explodes into a mist and some of the zombies are frozen so there's a lot of like that cartoony visual aspect to it too right so kind of uh, more like a danny phantom or like one of those sort of cartoon network sort of vibes danny phantom is a little too simple for what i had in mind because danny phantom i know his that's a little bit closer to like preteen like a Dexter's Laboratory. Right. Style. I would want a, a little older than that. Uh, you know, okay. um, remember 16? 16. What is that? That was another car. That was a cartoon. It was, I mean, all everybody was 16 years old. So it was right. like a teenage angst kind of story. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, personally. Cool. So as, you want it kind of like EC horror comics and then kind of cartoony at the same time. Right. I see. I see. That's cool. That's cool. So if anyone can do like a riff on like the EC horror vibe and style, but then mix it with like a kind of cartoony style uh that would be awesome I, i'd love to see what that looks like actually i'm really intrigued by that yeah i'm i mean i'm excited about the idea too now mm-hmm. of course like if anyone else too has a style that's like not that but you think it would be really good for this kind of comic feel free to uh right. to pitch it to joe of course well when i uh was looking for an artist to do the i am grim giant enemy comic.com what I did was I just put the post out on Craigslist and I gave a breakdown for what it is. And then the the artist community came out in droves. And this was even before you and I had met, or before I was even doing editing at all. Right. And I saw so many styles and they were all really great. But then Sean Daly's style won out. And it wasn't like I had Sean Daly's art style in my mind 
but when I saw it, I thought, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I should have mentioned that off the top, that I Am Grim is drawn by uh, Sean Daly, who at the moment is doing Samurai Grandpa, and uh, he has been on this podcast before. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people who listen uh, probably know him, like, from the community. So, right. uh, Joseph has worked with uh, established artists in the Toronto community, and, uh, you know, they they have a lot of great things to say about him. So, uh, yeah, you should, you should totally give him a shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I was I was one of the people who was like, Aaron, you got to have Sean Daly on this show. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a big fan of him, too. Like, yeah. I loved... I, what I loved about him was that he was willing to do um, classic analog artwork. Right. With, uh, pencils and oil paint and all that. Um, which, for Giant Anime Comic, the thematic idea is that it, all the art is done by hand. So, with... Uh, ink pen or one person did pencil crayons and it looked and that was kind of the inspiration to do it with this this isn't technically like under the giant enemy comic label this is a project that i'm more willing to kind of part with because i understand uh being a writer myself we want to have protection over ideas we don't want to see them transform into something kind of out of our hands and then it's like well i'm not going to work on this anymore this isn't what i wanted with noon i'm comfortable with that because I think a willingness to kind of like negotiate on things might be a little more pleasing to whomever we were to show the idea to. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you do know Sean mm-hmm. and you, you have posted uh, your ideas on like DeviantArt and the, you know, uh, basically put, put it on Craigslist and that kind of stuff. How come you're not doing that uh, now? Well, like, with, just specifically with Sean, I, I, he, he's attached to the I'm Grim. Right. He was the right artist for it because I'm still trying to put money away to pay him for the next issue. I'm like, Hey Sean, here's another idea. Right. Like, it's like, um, maybe you should get through the first idea. I'm like, good thinking, Sean, it was yeah, a conversation yeah, yeah. we never had. Yeah, but that's, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and then otherwise it's not that I don't want to, but because I have this particular resource and I have your advocacy, I thought, well, you know what? Why not? Right. Yeah, totally. And I, and I'm really glad you came to me for this. Cause I think it's a really good idea. Um, yeah, and I, and I really hope that uh, that people take a look. In terms of, like, you did say that you could uh, pay for, like, the samples and that sort of thing. What is your plan if if this sort of thing goes through? Like, how many issues are you planning? Is it a graphic novel? It's uh, um, the, the nine issues for the first volume are already done. Okay, written. Yeah. Okay. Written. Well, you know, they can use an extra lick of paint because it's been a while, but they're they're workable and when you say done you mean like in comic script format and that kind of stuff okay yep Yep. it's all scripted out um you know i'm I'm gonna go over everything again just to like clean it up just in case but it's otherwise like it's it's good to go and then the i I mentioned this at the beginning but we'll say it again it is a four-part series yeah uh the, the first ser- the series is Noon, which is also the name of the series altogether. Right. And then the next three are uh, Dusk, Midnight, and Dawn. And if you know anything about storytelling, you can imagine which are the darkest and scariest of the issues and which are the most uplifting of it. So each individual issue fills those arcs or is that a graphic novel per like Dusk is one? It would probably have to be four volumes because otherwise that book's going to get pretty big. Yeah, 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 totally. Okay, cool. So it'd be like a four volume graphic novel series kind of thing, uh, single issues to start, and then they would be collected, yeah. right? Yeah, and in the event that uh, no pitches take, um, 
And then what I'm going to do is webcomic it. So we'll go for now. I would be prepared to do like, you know, one page a month, keep it consistent just so that, you know, neither of us are overwhelmed because I'm going to have other work to do. I still need to make the money to pay somebody to do it, but we'll still be able to put it out. Then we can collect the issues and then take it from there. Uh, but part of why I really wanted to do this is because even without without my friend, this idea never would have come to me. And I think this is one of the stronger works that I've generated in all the years that I've been writing, which you might not imagine me as a writer because my profession is editing. Right. But I've been writing my whole life and I have a lot of stories put together. And Noon is really one of the strongest things I've ever done. Uh, I want to... I wanted to be a winner because I want to be able to support him as well. I want to get into contact with them and just imagine, you know, guess what? That idea we came up with, it took off and now we can, I can help you raise your kids a little bit. Would he be okay with you doing this idea with somebody else on your own? Last time I spoke to him um, was when I picked up a manager who was willing to uh, submit some of my written material around. Uh, nothing came of that, but I asked him for permission. Can I try to make something out of this story? And he said, go ahead. Okay. And that was cool. while we were still in touch. Yeah. I, I wanted to say that because many artists listening are like, well, is, does he know you're doing this? Like, is No. And you know, what I would give him would come out of my cut. Right. Right. Yeah. So, our, our artists are so precious in this that, you know, they, as long as the artist gets what they deserve, I'm happy. What is your, what is your budget for this? Or is that something that you would discuss with the individual artist? We'll discuss because it's going to depend on uh, where we pitch first. We'll see what okay. we need. And we'll take it from there. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, I think, it just personally, I think it would have a better luck at like an independent uh, comic studio, like, uh, like a boom or whatever. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, you might want to, like a lot of the creators that I've talked to have tested it out in an anthology first. Like ah. maybe the first few pages or the first story goes in an anthology. And then they've gone out on their own and tried to like self-publish the rest of it or pitch it to a publisher. But at least then you sort of have a sample mm -hmm. that's already been published and already been like well-received. Uh, things like uh, Strange Romance or uh, Hogtown Horror are good places to test out some of these ideas, uh, horror ideas specifically. Um, yeah, so, and like, there's a lot of publishers around, like, Alterna might be a good, good publisher for this, uh, SourcePoint Press out of, uh, Michigan might be a good, might be a good, uh, publisher for this. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I know, uh, any, anyone that would be willing to take this on because SourcePoint in particular, uh, just published, uh, DA Bishop's. Uh, Morte, which is the one shot that he did that we profiled on this podcast. And so they're kind of into like the horror zombie sort of thing. Morte is, is, is a zombie story of a kind. Mm -hmm. So that might be good. Um, yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of potential. Um, and uh, I, I really hope that somebody, uh, this kind of strikes their fancy. Mm -hmm. And we, and we never know, right? Like, you know, shoot for the stars. Um, I think it was, uh, cowboys versus aliens that started off as like a graphic novel and then turned into a film a lot of things like teenage yeah. Mutant ninja turtles was just a gag that like uh 
uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird uh, wrote to each other to like make each other laugh, and it was a parody <laughs> of the current Frank Miller run of Daredevil. Right. Yeah, I remember seeing some early images of TA and M and T. It was a lot more. Uh, played straight even though it like it, they by like by design they tried to make it look like it was playing straight but that was the funny part of it right right like yeah. it was basically daredevil but it was like turtles mm-hmm. and that was that was the funny part it's like it's totally straight it's totally like a ninja story but it's turtles yeah actually um i after we did the uh, uh our first interview i was racking my brain for some time afterwards because I had realized that I didn't mention some of the comic influence that I had when I was younger. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there's just one thing that there's a couple of comics, single issues here or there that I had read, but there's one uh, issue that really stuck out to me. And I'm curious to know if you've ever come across this. It was an issue of Captain America. I couldn't tell you the number of it, but the cover art was Captain America looking like, I guess maybe he had lost his super serum powers and he was just like a regular dude again, but still in the Captain America suit because his build seemed to have been... Uh, smaller and he had somebody uh, uh, by the hand i guess uh, his uh, his girlfriend at the time and they look terrified and they're running for it and then the issue itself uh they break her neck like captain america is held hostage and he's tied and he's bound to a chair and they kill her in front of him and I don't know if anybody has ever seen that issue, but I remember seeing that issue when I was a kid and being like, this is not what I thought Captain America gets up to on a regular basis. And I look back on it and I'm like, man, that was traumatizing to see. Wow. So that's why you go into horror because you you saw some of this horrific stuff. I've seen, like, yeah, like when I was a kid, like it didn't occur to me how often I was seeing some pretty horrifying things. And it always came from somewhere that I wasn't expecting. Right. Like there was an episode of Baywatch where I saw a guy drown in the opening, like in the cold open. It's a scene, there's a pool guy and a lady, they seem to be having a good time. And I guess things get a little kinky. So she handcuffs his wrist to the ladder that you climb to get out of the pool, but in such a way that he can't get high enough to actually get out of the water and he's got his hand out of the water he's trying to find the key and he doesn't and maybe it's like a mandala thing where how it actually played out is different and i just remembered it a certain way but the camera shot was stuck on him like drowning and you can see the the terror in his eyes and then it's like Whenever you need me, I'll be there. Whatever the Baywatch theme was, and I'm oh, sure that was crazy. it. Oh, like, crazy! Like, what in the hell was that? So you're really into like the juxtaposition of like horrific stuff, but then also like happiness, like right after, like a happy theme song, <laughs> or, like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, it always catches me off guard, and I and I do appreciate when a, a, a story or a series has like gained their audience's trust and is willing to challenge them right like, okay we're gonna do something a little darker than what you're used to so we'll see if you can handle this right yeah. cool you know hearing you talk about your influences and and that's really good because like people listening can uh, can hear that especially if they want to contribute to this comic um one of the things that i would recommend it's a new comic from image called ice cream man okay and it's sort of a horror anthology but it uses this conceit of this wholesome looking ice cream man as sort of a crypt keeper-ish character that's sort of uh not overtly but like sort of subliminally introduces you to each story okay and and but it's also like super horrific like 
I, I don't really know how to explain it, but it is that juxtaposition between like the sort of wholesome old school, you know, lickety split, like mm-hmm. in a jiffy uh, thing of like a 50s ice cream man with this like really horrific like horror tales mm-hmm. that happen in this comic. Right. Because this is just a great way to get to somebody's emotional core when they take something that we trust at a very early age when we're vulnerable. Right. And then and then mess with that yeah and it's an anthology series where it's like it's not separated into like and the next story and the next story and the next story it sort of sneaks up on you because they all start with like a kid getting ice cream and then the kid gets followed home and then you see and then all of a sudden you're in this like horror tale and you're like you're like okay 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 but then all of a sudden it's like oh like that's really disturbing Mm -hmm. like oh my god like what am i listening to and then or what am i reading and then you you realize that that was like the whole point of it you know oh man okay that just reminds me uh this isn't a comic book this is a youtube series god one of the most brilliant and disturbing things i'd ever seen have you ever heard of don't hug me i'm scared no what is that okay so if any for for those of you who don't want any explanation just go watch it right now and then um i may owe you an apology but aaron what what it is it's a puppet show it's uh, it's portrayed to be a children's puppet show right and each episode is a song maybe two minutes maybe four minutes and each song covers a topic of they're trying to teach kids something like first one is creativity the second one is time third one is love and the each time uh, you think everything is okay and then something goes wrong horribly horribly wrong but it does it in a way that still educates the kids about the concept right so like just for the creativity one the it's a notepad that teaches them she sings to the three kids about um about creativity and then it gives these little subtle hints that like oh, hang on a second something just went wrong like one of the lines is i might paint a picture of a clown well that friend you might need to slow down and then she just drizzles ink on his on his painting and it and it lingers there for a little too long and you're just like how long is this oil going to cover this guy's painting? And it, and it sends a signal to a person subconsciously, like, hang on a second, something is about to go wrong, isn't it? Right. And then it just goes nuts. And I can't explain it with my words at all. But it, that whole juxtaposition of taking something innocent and then uh, absolutely mangling it is, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, exactly. Go, go check that out. It's brilliant. Well, and Black Mirror does that to a degree. Like sometimes they have had some episodes where, you know, you think you're watching something wholesome, but you're not actually, uh, they're more of a comment on like society Mm -hmm. and like that kind of thing. And like, and subverting your expectations around technology and what technology can do to us in like the most cynical way possible. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, they have had episodes where, uh, you think they're they're gonna go in a certain direction and then they just go weird and hor- horribly wrong, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm really interested in that. Uh, is there anything else uh, you want to talk about around the comic? Uh, what what are you thinking of doing? Like after this recording is done, what's your next step? How can people get in touch with you? They can uh, send me an email, uh, J O E underscore underline whatever one you're more familiar with, uh, I-A-N-N-I at hotmail.com. Okay. And that'll be step one just to reach out. And I'll, we'll, we'll give it a few months just in case somebody 
happens upon it maybe not right away but happens upon it afterwards what are you thinking about getting from your artists like do they need to audition or do you just want them to email you like what, I, what, are your, what are your requirements at least uh even if it's just linking me to their website once i see the style i'll have a pretty clear idea of what i mean if anybody wants to um take a crack at drawing like um I, I wouldn't really know what to ask them to draw per se. Like one of the characters that you Yeah, described? like uh, if somebody's really inclined, and again, I, I don't, I wouldn't expect anybody to do this, but if you do, thank you. One of the covers, um, one of, is for, I think, chapter five is the high school's mascot is a raven. And so there's a, the guy inside the raven outfit turns before he can get out of the outfit. So there's a giant you know, mascot Raven running around the hallways. So in like that um, uh, horror style that we were mentioning earlier, two of the characters have their backs turned to the frame in a way that's kind of like old school. It's like, whoa, look at that. Look at that danger thing. And then the Raven has got his, uh, his wings stretched out and, it, and clearly there's like, there's blood coming down. So if anybody wants to take a crack at drawing that Raven, I think that'll cover really all of the elements to the story that's awesome so can they like if they don't want to send some of their own samples of their work can they ask for a page of the script and then do yeah absolutely do a page? Yeah. i'd be happy to share awesome yeah i think if i were to take uh, some of the 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 comic like if we were to have to show some pages i would probably want to go somewhere in the middle of the story once the wheels are spinning and the characters are established just so people get a sense of how the story uh, is coming together right. as much as I, you know, the introduction is the important part. I think I personally am, would be interested in seeing, okay, you've set everything up. How, is, how are, cause I think the wheel spinning part of the story is one of the most difficult things because you have to keep things interesting. Whereas the introduction is by design supposed to get you interested. Right. Right. Yeah. So I would want to go, so I would do somewhere around there. So, okay. So if you're an artist, if you, if you like this idea of people trapped in the school, uh, getting, uh, running away from zombies and, and, and you like, uh, Joseph's influence of the sort of wholesome meets horror type of thing. Uh, get in touch with them. Uh, give him links to your work and uh, ask for maybe a page of the script that you can draw if you're if you're so inclined. And uh, and hopefully hopefully you get a lot of bites. I, I really hope that uh, this works out for you. Uh, well, thank you so much. This was a great opportunity. You know, not very many people get these kind of opportunities, right? So. That's you know, awesome. It means a lot to be able to get it out there. If people are just listening to this episode for interest, if they want to like follow along with the program, with the project or follow along with you, uh, how can they follow you on social media? I have a Twitter uh, that's at tiny enemy shrimp. It's spelled the way you think it's going to be spelled. Uh, if you can, you can add me on Facebook if you like Joseph Space Ayani. My Facebook is pretty open so you can check that out my uh, webcomic is giantenemycomic.com mm -hmm. uh, as we mentioned before noon isn't really it was never really intended to be a giant enemy comic comic it's intended to be its own thing and then wherever it's going to go it's going to go so it could end up on there but that's kind of like we've exhausted all the other options situation. Um, but, but you can see my other writing there. You can see the I am grim on there as well. Uh, I'm still putting the money away to get the next issue out, which I mentioned before. Uh, you and can, past 
uh, past issues can be seen at uh, tinyanimeshrimp.com or uh, giantenemycomic.com. Giant yeah, yeah. I put all my comic stuff out for free, so it's all okay. it's all there for uh, to be read. Awesome. Yeah. If you if you dig uh, Sean Daly's work, and uh, I know a lot of us do, uh, check it out there and uh, see how he pairs mm-hmm. with with Joseph. Um, yeah, it's been great having you in and, uh, I think it'll be interesting, uh, editing your own voice uh, <laughs> later on. Uh, I've done this, I think this is maybe like my seventh or eighth time where I've edited my own voice. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I've done it before. Cool. It's, it's interesting. It takes some getting used to. Yeah. Especially when it's an episode where I really embarrass myself. That takes a while. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. All right. And well, thanks for coming in and I, and let us know like how things are working out for you and we'll, uh, we'll tweet it out on social media and, uh, you know, we should let people know if, if when you find an artist or when you get a publisher or when you're publishing it yourself, uh, we'll definitely be following this project. All right. Terrific. Awesome. And we'll see you next time on speech, speech bubble. bubble. This has been Speech Bubble. See you in the future, friends. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com is executive produced by Alex Ross. Audio editing by Joseph Yanni. Social media assistance by Jamie Warner and the Social Smiths. Announcements by Craig Mayhem and Sean Ward. Logo design and graphical assistance by Brittany Tice.